1: Hello and welcome to Spark. We
0: tell true stories.
1: We tell them live.
0: And we tell them across the UK. This story was told by Nicola.
1: At the Brixton Ritzy. When the theme was identity.
0: Enjoy. So I am the youngest of five children. And when you're in that position, there's kind of a prerequisite that you need to be born with a pretty strong identity if you want to survive. Um and i learnt really fast and i became a very outwardly confident and chatty uh, cherubic young girl and i became the star of the local village pantomime um playing actually a liverpudlian dwarf uh in snow white and seven dwarfs um of somewhat of a legend really in the community so i was about 8 years old absolutely bossing it um pantomime legend And then my eldest brother uh, moved to London and uh, started up a band and very quickly actually became famous. And I basically overnight went from being Nicola Martin, uh, Whitston Village superstar, to being Chris Martin from Coldplay's Little Sister. And so that kind of changed everything because uh, that was what people became interested in me for or what I believed that people were interested in me for and I was enormously proud of my brother and for whatever you think about Coldplay he's a nice guy Um, (laughs) I can assure you but anyway so I became a little bit defensive and um, I would be very paranoid that when people who I spoke to that I thought liked me if I found out then they knew about my brother I would suddenly be very distrustful and not cool about it anyway so I changed my name um, to Nicola Wren when I became an actor, and because uh, I didn't want anyone to think I was um, going to be doing nepotism and all that shit, so uh, I was on my own path. Anyway, so I, I skip to six years ago when I uh, was living in New York for a couple of months, and um, my brother was on tour, and they were playing this uh, gig in sort of Bumfuck, New Jersey. It was really difficult to get to, actually quite inconvenient. Uh, And my friends and I got on a bus and we went over there and we watched the gig. And the best thing for me about uh, Coldplay concerts is that it's like the one place where I can really just be free. And also, there's a lot of free booze, so I take my friends. It's like I'm hosting a party that I haven't paid for. And uh, this particular night, I'm really on form, and uh, we're really going for it, and we're really enjoying the whole thing. And we get so carried away that we miss the car at the end of the gig going from backstage to the after show party in, uh, in downtown Manhattan. And because it genuinely is in the middle of nowhere, this, this stadium, we're like, we get a bus. There's no buses, there's no taxis, or everything is just full. So my friend, who's kind of like a hippie sort of character, she was like, well, we'll just hitchhike home. And at this point, we're very drunk. And uh, we're trying to flag people down, and it's not really working. And she and I'm like, oh, I've got I've got this fantastic idea. I'll just tell people who my brother is. So start approaching people as like, excuse me, actually, I'm Chris Martin's sister, and I really need to get to the after show party. Anyway, so eventually these lovely people pick us up, this couple, and we get chatting as they drive us. And this guy Adam tells me about how his friend John had bought the tickets for Coldplay for uh, four hundred dollars per seat now they're good but they're not that good and uh he tells me about how his friend john was uh, supposed to come with them that night but just before they were leaving his best friend had come home from afghanistan where he'd been fighting and john this lovely guy had given his tickets to his friend who had come back from afghanistan and said please take them and go and have a nice evening with your wife so i'm sitting in the back of this guy adam's car and i was like this is the most amazing story i've ever heard and I said, well, what's John doing tomorrow? Because I'll get him tickets for tomorrow night's show. I just want to point out this point. like That's not like a saintly thing to do. It's very easy for me to do. I'm not offering, but it is easy. Um, so I really wasn't doing anything very heroic. Anyway, Adam's like, well, okay, if you, if, you think, if you really think you can do that. Didn't really believe me, but gave me his, me his number anyway. So I, I, I sorted out the tickets and I texted him the next day. So they'll be at the box office. Just tell him to go and get them. Anyway, Adam replies. He's like, thank you so much. I don't hear anything for about three months. And then my friend emails me and says, I just saw this posting on Facebook. And it was by this guy, John, uh, who had given his tickets away and then I'd got his tickets for. And it was this huge post and it said, if you believe in karma, read this story. And he'd written all about how he'd spent all this money on these tickets. And he was so pumped up about going to see Coldplay. And... uh, and that he'd given them to his amazing friend, who's just his mar- whose marriage was amazing. He kept talking a lot about the marriage, actually. Uh, then he was set, he was talking about how then his friend Adam had called and been like, "I just gave these very drunk girls a, a ride home, and one of them says she's Chris Martin's sister, and that she's sorted tickets out for you. And I don't know if it's true, but I think you should go." And this guy John's like, "What is Chris Martin's sister doing hitchhiking home from a Coldplay concert?" like why hasn't she got a limo my thoughts exactly john um cheers for that brother uh anyway so we're uh so anyway i'm reading this thing and he, and he goes on to say how he he shows up to the the gig and goes to the box office and he says are there any tickets here for john cabales and they say no and john's like oh my god that girl was obviously just nuts and calls his friend. He's like, look, she was not telling the truth and all this stuff. And then Adam's like, no, 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 no. you got to go to the, the band uh, box office, like the guest list. And so John goes there and he picks up his tickets and is very happy and, and has a wonderful time at the gig. And he writes um, at the end of this lovely post about karma and paying it forward and how you know he had done something lovely for his friend and his friend had done something really lovely for me and I'd in turn done a small favor that looked quite lovely but was as I say, very easy and he just wrote thank you Nicola Martin and I hope one day I can meet you so that I can remember that karma really exists and I haven't met him but if I did I would like to thank him because reading his post was kind of the first time that I ever felt okay about being Nicola Martin and Chris Martin's sister all in the same person and I realized that actually that's just a little aspect of my identity that I can use just to bring a little bit more joy into some people's lives when possible thank you
1: That was Nicola.
0: Next up, Andre.
1: With another story about identity. So when I was 17, my father sat me and my brother, who was two years younger than me, down. And uh, about a year or so before that, my mother had died and um, my father said to us, well, uh, well, we waited till you'd got through your uh, GCSEs, and we thought you should probably know that you're actually uh, adopted. And it was really interesting because my brother reacted in one way, and I reacted in a completely different way. My brother reacted in a kind of "Oh my god, what have you been doing all these years?" because he'd kind of been saying, "I think I am adopted," and they denied it. And and um, and I was actually quite relieved because. I thought, well, I'd never really got on with my parents that well, and I had this kind of Disney idea that uh, there was some lovely family out there that would have all this money and all this, like living in a castle, and and I would I would I would kind of go and be with them, and it would all be fine, and it would all be lovely. So I was actually quite excited about the idea that I was adopted. So anyway, I, I kind of took that on board, and uh, quite a few years went by, and i didn 't really do anything about it i didn 't really pursue where my genetic original family was from until I was maybe fifteen years older and then I had a conversation with my father and this is in terms of identity, I think name's quite important, so I grew up with a name Bill and uh, short for William and I hated the name bill i didn 't think I was really a bill i didn 't think I was a William either. I was just brought up with this name. And when I was in trouble at school, my teachers would say, William, go to the back of the class. William, stand in the corner. William, do some lines because you failed at what you're doing. And I always equated William with being in trouble somehow. And then when I was, uh, as I say, a bit older, my father one day came to me and said, so I've been rummaging around in my bureau in the files, I found this bit of paper that you might be interested in. I said, okay, what's that then? And he said, Well, it's just that, you know, it might be relevant to you, but it's basically and he gave me this bit of paper, and it was an original birth certificate with a different name on it. And the name on this birth certificate, which obviously was something that my genetic mother had done before I was adopted, was Andre. And I thought, that's a much cooler name. (laughs) I really like that name, Andre. It's kind of artistic. And I was an actor, and I'd been to drama school, and I thought, yeah, that's me. I can do with the Andre thing. I didn't like the Bill thing. The Bill thing seemed so small. Nothing wrong with the name Bill, but for me, it was crap. So I... I (laughs) Just saying, you know. And so, so for me, the name Andre was this expansive French kind of thing, and it was kind of sexy, and it was good. And um, I think I was given the name Andre because I was born in Jersey, which is kind of halfway to France anyway, and it's very French orientated. So I took on this name, and it took me a few years to sort of get my head around this new name. And then after a few years, I decided to change my name by deep to Andre. And so I legally changed my name. And I had the, a kind of like, um, I suppose, like a christening service at my, the church I went to. And I was christened with the name Andre. I mean, I was went well into my 30s by that stage. And I loved it. I thought, now I, it's all going to take off. I'm going to be Andre, the actor, the writer, the creative kind of person. And what I discovered, I suppose, was that it takes more than a name to change your identity. And I would say the last mm, 15 years, I've been kind of working out what my new name means. And I... To be honest, I thought when I got my name changed, everything would change. I thought, then I'll be a famous actor. Then I'll be making films. I'll be doing this. I'll be doing that. But really, it takes more than a name change. And I'm still working it out. And now I would say that even the Andre thing isn't really the whole story about who I am. It's just like a thing. But I can be not Andre, and that's okay as well it's okay not to be the identity that we get given even if it's a new name thank you thanks for
0: listening to spark true stories if you love what we do
1: please help us spread the word
0: by leaving us a review on itunes
1: for more true stories
0: and to see a live event
1: head to stories.co.uk.